Yeah, you know, uh, Shaggy, underrated. It was always not him. It was always not him. You're listening to part three of a conversation between Scott Jacobson, a lover of bands and a maker of music videos, and Tamara Federici, producer of every band ever, already in progress. You know, lately, David Byrne has had a bit of a renaissance, a career renaissance. Not that he ever fully went away, but, you know, he had this show on Broadway and um, a lot of people paying attention again and and reevaluating the Talking Heads discography. And, um, you know, I'm going to admit that I've never been the biggest Talking Heads fan. I, I like a lot of their songs, but I'm still fascinated with them as a band with a really unique front person who may or may not have Asperger's, but certainly that was his persona. And, um, and he, the way he approached his lyrical subject, it was unlike anybody else, you know, in rock and roll. There's their, their, one of their big albums is, um, you know, more songs about buildings and food. And, uh, I, you know, at the time, you know, this was the 1970s, not a lot of people were singing about buildings or food and they came along and I'm wondering for, for one thing, I should stop even asking you this because I think I know the answer, but did you have anything to do with that particular album? Okay, I don't want to be the guy who's just like, so tell me everything. Yeah, I mean, the Talking Heads from the beginning are about like nouns and motion. Like that's what they do. They do nouns and then they do motion. And so objects are part of that. But, you know, a lot of times. And so in a way, songs uh, about buildings and food, that was adding two more subjects, really. They were were saying we can't just do nouns and motion, although buildings and food are nouns. Right. And then secondarily, objects and murderers. Objects you know, and, yeah. They also would cover those. Nouns and motions and but objects and murderers. Exactly. Really, That's pretty much the talking heads. Yeah, you could build a solid, you know, repertoire just on using those. But like... Even now. Yeah, yeah. even now. And I, many have tried. Many have tried to do, you know, building songs or murder songs. But I mean, there is something to be said for being the first. You look at their albums and... Um, you know, remain in light. Isn't that the one with, um, you know, the Stop Making Sense movie? Stop Making Sense was, uh, they, I just love their sense of, um, the sense of quirkiness was not popular at the time and nobody cared. And, you know, nobody cared about the Ramones either. <laughs> like, but they made it, you know, they kind of made it work. And um, I want to talk about Tina Weymouth some if you, you know, yeah, if you no, I'm going a, in I'm a that direction. But I also Chris France and, uh, Tina Weymouth. I mean, they were unsung heroes, unsung by David Byrne, I should say. And, you know, they went on to, to do Tom Tom Club and have hits of their own. But they, to this day, are on bad terms with David Byrne. And I mean, you were in the studio with these guys and there must have, I mean, can you tell me anything about the relationship then? Were they on good terms? Uh, I think it got worse as it went along, but um, they just kind of were, I mean, honestly, if Tina Weymouth had been, uh, you know, sort of the rudder for that band um, and they kind of let her lead it, it would have been an amazing, they would probably still be together. But, um, you know, David Byrne was clearly the front man and they were going to do things, you know, his way. I found some um, notes that I took from working with them at the time. So I wanted to read you some, I think they are album titles. Um, So these are rejected album titles from the Talking Heads. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Let me, I just happen to, I have a bunch of crap downstairs and I And they're a band that is it. known for having great album titles. So I would love to hear what, what, what ended up on the cutting room floor. 
These were some of the early names when, uh, you know, as the first album. I'm a toast. I'm a toast. Heavy with stapler. There's a house. Hey, I know that guy. Mailman in love, comma, letter on fire. Wow, so that I like that, that one a lot. I don't, I'm not sure why they didn't go with that one. Uh, this is called phone book, comma, take me higher. I like to see a lot um, of these mix like the prosaic, the everyday with like the divine. That is sort of what they're about. They're about elevating the mundane. Could you give me more? I have banana casket, but I don't know that that was That's another perfect example. Wow, this is really cool. So I also forgot that uh, Tony Basil choreographed Once in a Lifetime. Oh, so wow. that was pretty, so she's the one who originally came up with that dance. As much as I would like to say that I had any hand in that at all, that was actually her. So yeah, she's one of these, That's I, no, I wouldn't say Zelig like figures because she's a star in her own right, but popped up a lot. Um, and a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's surprising as a choreographer and as a, um, as a, you know, musician and you knew her. Oh, here's one. I did. This one is uh, put it in a closet. Put it in and, a closet. Oh, that was the original. Yes, this is why I have that. That was the original name of Burning Down the House. And I was like, we've got to take the stakes up a little bit. Do you know what I mean? I see your <laughs> I totally see your point. Put it in a closet. It's compelling because you're wondering, well, what is it? And why does it need to go in the closet? But burning down the house is immediate. Like you're just thinking. I'm interested. Yeah, you're, you're tuned yeah. in. Put it in a closet. I'm like, huh, maybe. Right. Put it in a closet. You're like, I don't care why. Okay. I'm not even sure if, yeah, if you really find out in burning down the house. No. How? Why did it burn down? I think that's not. Was yeah, there, that's their not their concern. Electrical. Usually. Yeah, then it didn't seem. I mean, I'm. You would have been great in the band though, as like a counterpoint. Would it be? Wasn't it electrical? Well, yeah, I, I would think that a lot of the time when you know when you have someone who think you know, David Byrne, is a, he seems to be a sort of guy who works on the concept of an album. He wants it to be rock solid, so I'm I'm assuming these are the kind of questions that he he asks. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, you're the one who spent so much time with him. Well, he just liked you know, like they all liked Robert Rauschenberg so much, and so uh, once you can translate from like a, a painting where a rock is, you know, it's there's a rock tied to the painting, and then you're kind of figuring out what that means. So once you can talk about that with David Byrne, then uh, you can talk about kind of any language with him about how he wants to do his music. If that makes sense. You can sense. talk about, once you can sort talk about that painting with the rock on it, then you kind of, you, you're in his universe. You get right. his whole deal. This just begs the question for David Burns art. What is the painting? What is the rock? You know, it's catchy. That's the amazing part about them. They make weird, catchy songs that are accidentally catchy and complex and uh, like multi-layered. So that's that's their greatness. And then it's his crazy his crazy dancing that I found out like way after the fact. It was um he studied with a marionette named Claude in France. Wow. He studied with a marionette. That makes total sense. That, that yeah, actually, not a life size one. Yeah. That's amazing. It's real the, especially the early years. It's like way really wide <laughs> marionette moves. That's <laughs> all I can say. Now I know. There's a funny story know? that Brian Eno tells about David Byrne, where they they're walking around in 1970s New York, and you know, different place than it is today, in mean streets, and they were mugged by this gang of like warrior style, you know, street kids, and um, they grabbed David Byrne and were dragging him off into the bushes, and um, as they were dragging him, all David Byrne did was he said, uh, "Uh oh." 
it just I don't know what it says about the personality, but it's it's um, he's an eccentric. It's so true. I've heard that story too. It's pretty amazing because you can picture like what that uh oh sounds like. Like it almost sounds happy even if he's afraid. Like uh oh, I can't even I can't even do it. Like uh oh, I don't even know. I don't know. I can tell you about uh, that breakup specifically. I think we were starting to talk about that, and then I found the oh yeah, my notes. the the band um, breaking up. I think really what happened was he wanted them to go to Amsterdam, and they wouldn't. And he wanted to put them all on bikes that had been made from um, recycled sousaphones. And he wanted to do an entire... Uh, that sounds like him. An ent- yeah, an entire tour on bikes. And they wouldn't. And he called them all assholes, which is very <laughs> not like the band. But but um, they refused. And, you know, they didn't ever... They didn't ever fix it. Um, they haven't performed together as a band, um, but they they went on tour with the Bodies exhibit for a few years. The Bodies and exhibit. They didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. No, you're there talking were no about the exhibit. It's, it's just... actually actual bodies stripped of their skin, just their musculature, and they're posed doing things like panning for gold or like reaching for a kitten up in a tree, that sort of thing. And yep, that they what what did they do at the Bodies exhibit? They were the Bodies. Whoa. Wouldn't it yeah, be amazing? Uh, I mean, I never went to that. Now I really wish I did. I just thought it was cheesy and, and disturbing tourist bait. But you're telling me if I went to see the bodies exhibit, I see, for instance, the, the body with the football and I'm a little grossed out, but I keep walking and the next body starts doing a herky-jerky dance and it's, it t- turns out to be David Byrne. Right. I mean, like if you look at the guy who's panning the gold close enough, see if he looks like he's got, you know, marionette dancing hands. That's amazing. This is the sort of stuff that I you just, uh, I don't know. I just didn't know that. Thank you for letting me spend this time with you. Thanks for asking. I, I'm so glad we finally got to talk about this. I, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled. Yeah, I mean, I, and thank you. Thank you for all the art that you've helped to bring into the world. Thank you, Scott. I'm so glad that you wanted to talk about this. I, you know, there's not a lot of people that I, that I talk to about. Yeah, no. Uh, so, so this well, has been fun. Bless you. Go to every band ever on Instagram for updates or to suggest a band. Scott Jacobson is an executive producer on Bob's Beagers, which is entering its 13th season on Fox. Tamara Federici is busy making your favorite freaking band even freaking better. The editor is Will Velasquez. The audio engineer is Clark Jackson. Thanks for listening. See you next week. What have you done for me lately? Ooh, ooh. Ooh, yeah, what have you done for me lately? Ooh, 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 yeah?